Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. And we're into extra time. No, my whakarongo mai ki extra time. Koravinda hunia thene. This week, how will this weekend's Super Rugby results impact on the looming playoffs? We catch up with new Wellington Phoenix signing Stephen Taylor. The World Cup final is upon us. We break down France taking on finals first time as Croatia. And New Zealand is forming a baseball team for a new Trans-Tasman competition. It's the final round of Super Rugby before the playoffs and while the finals picture is all but confirmed, there's still plenty to play for this weekend with bragging rights, home advantage and winning momentum on the line. The Chiefs host the Hurricanes in Hamilton and the two sides will meet again next week in the quarterfinals unless the Chiefs win big in the Tron. The Crusaders, with first place sewn up, play the Blues in Christchurch and will want to maintain their impressive form before the playoff qualified Highlanders take on a desperate Melbourne Rebel side in Dunedin. Rugby reporter Joe Porter spoke to Matt Chatterton about this weekend's matchups and what those results might mean. We're down to the business end of the Super Rugby season, the last week of the regular season fixtures before playoffs next week. And of course, the conference system much chided by many, but it is what it is. So we're down to the last round of the weekend. The Chiefs play the Hurricanes on Friday night in Hamilton. That could potentially decide who gets a home quarterfinal for the first week of the playoffs, though it is likely to be those teams. Well, they will be playing again, but it will likely be in Wellington. Now, the Hurricanes have kind of gone off the boil a little bit lately, with the Chiefs, of course, having been pretty good for a team that's been decimated by injuries and have had a lot of disruptions. So, Matt Chatterton, Matt, what do you think is going to happen on Friday night in Hamilton? Do you think the Chiefs can get up in, against the Hurricanes, or did the Hurricanes play themselves back into form with that big win over the Blues? Yeah, I, I'm liking the look of the Hurricanes for this one, to be honest. I think that, you know, that three or four game losing streak they had, I think they've probably come to the end of that now. I think they'll be building towards the quarterfinals. Um, I th- and I think they'll want to guarantee themselves the best possible chance in the finals. So by doing that, they need to win uh, on Friday night. And I think they will, I'll, they'll take it to the Chiefs in Hamilton, I believe. Chiefs obviously have Brody Retallick returning. He'll make a big impact, I think, in mm. the front five. But I do have a feeling that the Hurricanes, they might just have that extra bit of spark in the back line, especially since the Chiefs are leaving Damian McKenzie out of this match. All right, so the Hurricanes win this weekend, as you predict. I'm not quite so comfortable with that prediction, being a Hurricanes fan, of course. <laughs> I think the Chiefs may well get up, but you never know. Um, the Hurricanes win this weekend, and then they host the Chiefs again next week. Who wins that quarterfinal then? That's a great question. Uh if both teams are at full strength, I think it'll be it'll be a tight one. Um, I think the the Chiefs, as you mentioned earlier, have been decimated by injury this uh, this campaign. I think the Hurricanes at home will take it out. Um, 
it's going to be a tough challenge either way for whichever team because it's likely that they're going to have to head overseas for the... Uh, likely for the Lions semi- for the semi-finals yeah, over so, in Joburg. So, the Chiefs don't fear the Hurricanes, even in Wellington, that's for sure. Yeah, that's true. And, I mean, I guess um, I guess the Chiefs probably would have seen what the Crusaders have done against the Hurricanes this season And the Landers. Well. And the Landers. And I think they'll, you know, they'll, they'll back themselves to be able to play a style of football that can beat the Hurricanes. Uh, it's all, I guess, about putting pressure on that back line uh, with their defence and, and, I guess, winning that contest at the uh, breakdown. So... Uh, yeah, uh, I, I think the Hurricanes will probably be the one that come out on the uh, winning side of, of this ledger uh, for, for both weeks. Um, so, yeah, we'll see how it goes, I suppose. Excellent. Well, that's the, really the biggest match of the weekend. The Blues take on, or sorry, I should say the Crusaders really host the Blues on Saturday night. Crusaders already guaranteed top spot and home advantage throughout the playoffs. So nothing but, I guess, momentum to play for there. <laughs> uh, it'd be pretty hard to see the Blues getting out for this one. You'd have to have a crystal wall or be on crystal meth, you'd think. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, going on what happened last year when the Blues played their final game of the season when they got beaten by the Sunwolves, I don't think it's uh, looking good for them uh, for the final game. Right, we move on. Crusaders top the table. Excellent. They beat the Blues. They romped home. (laughs) Okay. Now we go to the Highlanders who are playing the Rebels. The Highlanders are sort of struck by that all-black rest curse as well. Mm. They have to have rested Luke Whitelock and both the Smiths, Aaron and Ben Smith. So three starting all-blacks there at the moment from their starting side against the Rebels team who are obviously desperate to win so they can secure the last wildcard berth or one of the two last wildcard berths in the playoffs and become the first Rebels team to make the finals of Super Rugby. So they've got a lot to play for so it could be a tough ask actually for the Highlanders. Yeah, I think it will be and I think you've got to give credit to the Rebels too this season given that you know last season all the all the uh, uncertainty I suppose they had around you know whether they'd be playing or not uh, in the Super Rugby competition going forward and now they're you know title contenders. I mean not probably really title contenders <laughs> but they're making the top eight which and you've got to give them the credit. Waratahs. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. You've got to give them credit. They've played well this season uh, given the situation uh, and you know I think uh, the Highlanders I think they might be hard pressed against the uh, Rebels this weekend. I think it could, you know, being a New Zealand supporter, you would like to see the Highlanders win. Uh, Fingers crossed it's a good game. And it probably won't matter because if they lose, I think they end up, what, Six, they'll be the, they'll and be they the fourth the New Zealand team six or seven and they end up playing the Waratahs over in Sydney yeah. and that's not a bad trip for a playoff to be honest better than going to Joburg for example so there we have it Chiefs Hurricanes the match of the weekend Crusaders finish on top Hurricanes get a home quarter final and the Islanders heading to the Waratahs by the looks of it but a couple of good games this weekend to entertain us before the playoffs and each team will be wanting to take momentum into the playoffs because there's nothing more important so a lot on the line there that's Joe Porter speaking to Matt Chatterton New Phoenix coach Mark Rudin has made a statement of intent by luring a veteran of 194 English Premier League appearances to the Wellington Club. The signing of former Newcastle United defender Stephen Taylor to the A-League team was announced this week, marking Rudin's first player signing since being unveiled as coach six weeks ago. Clay Wilson caught up with the former England under-21 representative to find out what attracted him to the Phoenix. It was a no-brainer, you know, the opportunity for me who... Now I've played all my career in England and uh, wanted a new challenge and this, this opportunity came around and it worked for both parties and an exciting one and a new chapter for me. Yeah, obviously that 2014 trip out here played a big role so I guess what did you experience then that makes you wanted to come over here full time? I think it's a big factor you know, coming out here with Newcastle, seeing the area, um, playing at the stadium, the support that uh, Wellington Phoenix had and uh, for me it was something I think I wanted to do, a new challenge and I think seeing last season how it was a bit uh, disappointing, and you know, seeing the lads they were hurt um, and everyone's got a point to prove and new manager, a new era 
and uh, want to be part of that. You know, the manager put his success through his career. I think you look at his CV, he's a winner, and uh, he's coming here with, um, you know, with, with something that the lads are bought into. You know, it's going to be a different style of play, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's um, an exciting time. The club's obviously had its struggles in recent years, so I guess what makes you convinced that things are going to turn around, that you can, I guess, start to have some real success at this club? Yeah, listen, everyone's got a point to prove. It was disappointing. Um, last few years have been tough, um, but this is a new era of football, new manager. Um, he's got his own ways, how he wants the, uh, the team to play and uh, the players who he wants to bring in. Um, so he's obviously identified them. It's it's down to us as players to, to do the business on the pitch now. You know, you can get all the players in, we've got to gel together. And, uh, yeah, we all got to we're the same way and we're looking forward to it literally I, I can't wait to get started like I said before and uh, seeing the, the area and the people how friendly everyone has been they've took with the great they've been absolutely fantastic to me In terms of your experience and your skills what do you hope to bring to the club? Obviously the experience what I've learned in the last uh, with 14 years experience in Newcastle I was very fortunate I left school at 16 and uh, I came into a, a squad where the likes of Alan Shearer uh, and Gary Speed, Shea Given, take you under the wing. And um, it was good because I was around experienced players who have been around the game for a while and what it means to win and just doing what it takes to win on a day-to-day basis in training. It all starts in training. You know, you, it's mentality, characters, and it's important you need characters around the youth. And uh, listen, I'm always going to learn as well. I'm, I'm looking forward to learning under the manager. He's been there, done that, knows what it takes to win in uh, the A-League. So for me, it's... Uh, an exciting time. And just finally, in terms of your conversations with the players so far, especially the likes of the more senior players, Andrew Durante, those guys, what have they involved? What are you talking about in terms of this pre-season and then moving into the season itself? Well, everyone obviously mentions about the last few years, how it's been tough for the club. Um, and the, the players, you know, obviously, they were, um, everyone's got a point to prove and they were hurt. So, um, yeah, I've, I've been in touch um, with a few of the players in the past few weeks before I got out here. It's been exciting for me. To meet. It was like first day at school when you walk into the dressing room, how's everyone going to react to you? And they've been a different class, literally a tight-knit group. Um, so, so far, it's been fantastic for me. And I just want to uh, get out there and get playing now. Stephen Taylor there speaking to Clay Wilson. Sticking with football, the moment has arrived. We've reached the final two at the FIFA World Cup in Russia. On Monday morning, favourites France will take on finals first time as Croatia for the greatest prize in football. France beat Belgium 1-0 in their semi-final, while Croatia crushed England's hearts coming from behind to win 2-1. Here's Matt Chatterton with RNZ's World Cup football podcast host, Max Tal. Let's look at that semi-final between England and Croatia. Uh, hell of a match, but uh, unfortunately gone the way of Croatia if you're an England fan. What was your take on the match? <laughs> well, I, I shan't hide the fact that I am an England fan, so this <laughs> might potentially be a bit of a one-eyed view on the game. Um, I thought it was uh, first half, incredibly even, and I think perhaps England were the better side and created a few chances they should have put away. Harry Kane fed through on goal. This is, of course, after Kieran Trippier's David Beckham-like free kick. A stunning way to start the game. I was standing in the queue ordering my bacon sandwich and, and uh, just caught a glimpse of it on the TV behind the behind the bar, thankfully. Um, yeah, moments later, Harry Kane fed through on goal, a little bit unselfish with Raheem Sterling to his side. 
if he puts that away, if Sterling puts that away, we might be have, sitting here having a different conversation. Uh, but then the second half rolled around and Croatia decided to buck their ideas up and uh, they were very poor in the first half, misplacing a lot of chances. Second half, they calmed down a lot. They started using their central maestro, Luka Modric, a lot more, moving the ball out wide, pressing England higher up and with a lot more energy, which I think was a fatal uh, fatal uh, moment in the game because England, to that point, were relatively comfortable on the ball, passing it out from the back. After that point, they reverted to the England sides of old and just simply lumping the ball forward and, and hoping for the best. Um, and, and before the game, you know, we talked about on the podcast, we talked about, and media have talked about this as well, we're not the only ones, about how Croatia in their other two group games have gone to extra time, have gone to penalties, have played two mentally and physically exhausting games. And I suppose England fans probably optimistically hoped that would do for them in the end. And yet, funnily enough, in yesterday's game, it was England who ran out of energy and it was England who ran out of ideas. And it was Gareth Southgate as well, England's terrific coach, who has done wonders at this tournament, who also sort of ran out of ideas a little bit and didn't really have a plan B. And England got panicky, uh, again, just simply lumping the ball forward and hoping for the best. A few players looked not really up to scratch in terms of fitness. Dare I say Harry Kane, our captain, uh, perhaps possibly shouldn't have been on the pitch in those final stages. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, you have to say the better team won and it'll be interesting to see if Croatia can uh, do it all again on Monday morning. Before we look at that final, uh, let's just, I guess, take another look at England here. I mean, going forward, though, uh, I mean, English fans must be quite optimistic about this team going forward. They, they look as though they are set for a relatively positive future. Yeah, I mean, there are still key components missing in this team. Jordan Henderson by himself... That's a that's a weak central midfield that will need to be improved, and I'm not sure we've got the guys coming through. But, of course, optimism, let's do it. This has been the best England performance at the World Cup since 1990, and it gives a lot of hope for the team that it can be a tournament team, because in the past, England teams have looked, they've wilted under the pressure of major tournaments. And I know, you know, we've talked about England having an easy run, but they've only beaten the teams that have been put in front of them. And they did get past a very, very stubborn Colombian side in the round of 16, which I think people are forgetting, rather dwelling on that Sweden quarterfinal. And Sweden aren't a particularly good team. Um, But going forward, no, young team, a young core. This is a group of guys who in four years should still be around and should, should be playing at the peak of their careers. We forget that Harry Kane, Deli Alley, Jesse Lingard... Raheem Sterling, they're all under 25 and they're only going to get better. And with Gareth Southgate at the helm, there's stability. And, you know, the Euros in two years' time will be next. And at those Euros, the semi and final will be at Wembley Stadium. So perhaps, uh, you know, we might see a little bit of success before the next World Cup in the uh, smoking hot climate of Qatar. <laughs> That's depressing, knowing that those guys are younger than I and uh, still have <laughs> such a bright future ahead and the millions of pounds I'll be making along with it. Hey, uh, looking at the final, we have obviously not talked about the uh, other finalists, France, France-Croatia. Uh, this, I guess, shaping up is, should be what quite a good final, but uh, I'm going to say France come out on top. What, what's your take on the final? 
Oh, it would be impossible to look beyond France as being the favourites in that game. Uh, just such immense quality in the spine of the team. Um, you know, we we sort of talk a little bit too much, I think, about the 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 speed and flair of Kylian Mbappe and Antoine Griezmann on either side, but it's really the the the, the core the. The, the spine of that team that has been so impressive and, and hauled them to this World Cup final. And that is Kante, Matuidi and Pogba in central midfield and Varane and Mtiti in central defence, who are five very, very, very tough players and who will provide a much different and, and much tougher task uh, to get around than just Jordan Henderson in, England, in the England team. Um, so I think it's going to be... I, I can't... I can't see it being a fun, open, exciting, entertaining, free-flowing game. I think it's going to be a, a really grinding task. And that's how the French coach Didier Deschamps wants it to be. That's how he sees France winning. And yeah, predictions, 1-0 France. I'm going to be really boring and, and I'm not sure Croatia's attacking threat is going to be enough. A pitcher with 214 Major League Baseball appearances was confirmed as one of the first two signings for New Zealand's newest professional sports team this week. After seven seasons playing for the Arizona Diamondbacks and Atlanta Braves, Josh Colmenter will be part of the Auckland-based franchise which will play in the Australian Baseball League. As the 32-year-old prepared to head to Taiwan with the national under-15 boys team as their pitching coach, Clay Wilson found out why he wanted to play in this part of the world. It's exciting. Just For me, it's a chance to continue my playing career, which is something that I wanted to do, and reached out to a handful of different people to try to make that happen and uh, stumbled upon this opportunity in New Zealand. And so for a team to be in its first year and to be able to be a part of that is a pretty unique opportunity for me. Yeah, I guess what were the main attractions? Being part of something that's starting from scratch is a big opportunity. Yeah, and uh, just a chance. I've travelled all over the United States playing baseball, so to get to travel here and then a little bit in Australia as well uh, was kind of an added bonus instead of you know, trying to do the same thing over there try something new over here and got to talk to Ryan and just to see his passion and what he's building over here and to hopefully be uh, able to impart something on on this program and help out with the kids like I am now uh, was kind of a win-win. So how did that relationship with Ryan start and develop into what you've come to today? I got a, or He got a hold of me over email and we exchanged some stuff back and forth, some ideas and then I got to meet him in person. He was in the States doing some meetings and stuff. And then uh, he reached out about potentially um, coming on this trip and helping out the under-15s. And it worked out with my schedule. So it's an opportunity to just get to familiarize myself with New Zealand a little bit with the baseball program and what they're trying to do with the kids here. Someone like yourself, with the experience you've got in the, in the major leagues, what do you hope to bring to this team? Obviously, just yeah, anytime you have someone that has played a long time, they've gotten a lot of input from different coaches, and there's a wealth of knowledge, but you continue to learn things in this game every day. You never really have it figured out. So with a lot of young guys that will probably be on the team, uh, you can kind of be in a player-mentor role. And so I've been on both sides of it as a young guy, getting mentored by older players, and, and now on the other side of it. So anything that I can do to help some of the young kids, especially some of the local kids, uh, I'll be happy to do so. Yeah, that mentoring side of things, I guess, will be important with some of the younger guys and the less experienced guys in the state. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just answering questions or giving some pointers or just talking baseball, talking uh, about pitching or any of that stuff. 
So anything that I can do to maybe give them an edge or help them out in whatever they happen to be working on or struggling with is you know, something that I can add in, in addition to, to pitching for the team. I know Ryan's keen for the success to come early, so I guess what are the keys to making sure that the start for this team is successful? I think it's uh, the guys that they put together. I know they're looking forward to putting together a pretty competitive roster right away. Um, and baseball pitching is key. So if we have a decent staff and you know can pitch, then uh, we'll do all right. Um, you know, sometimes the offense um, can score a lot of runs, but if you don't pitch well, it doesn't really matter. So if we can have a solid staff and uh, just work well together, then I think we're going to have a lot of success. I'm sure you're aware New Zealand has a proud softball history and mm-hmm. you've looked into that dynamic. So I guess what do you understand about that and I guess how does this team succeed in the face of a, I guess a country that has a, a pretty proud history in, in softball? Well, you can, obviously there's a lot of natural talent just with the athletes they have here and all the other sports. So just introducing them to baseball, especially as the kids start getting into it earlier and you just develop your skills no different than any other sport, uh, you'll see a lot of real talent, I think, take off over here. And so a lot of these kids haven't been playing very long or specifically pitching haven't been pitching that long. And so you can see that they have a lot of real talent. It's just a matter of honing that in. And when they learn that young and continue to build that with the program they're developing, I think you'll see some, some really good athletes come out of New Zealand. Josh Coleman to there speaking to Clay Wilson. And that's all we have time for this week. Remember, you can stay up to date with all of our sports stories via our website at www.radionz.co.nz forward slash sport or get in contact with us via email at sport at radionz.co.nz. Hey, corner. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.